Good day, everyone. I'm turning my life over to you, Jesus. Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. Thank God for another season. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books in the Bible, not just one scripture, full chapters. And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith, walk in God's amazing grace by learning Bible truth and continue to praise the living God. Good day, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Learning Bible Truth. I am Dr. Kamala D. It is my pleasure to serve you, to serve you the living word of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, before we get started, I want to take this time to apologize. I was supposed to share with you episode three last Sunday. But I must admit, I was so busy. And when I got home, I was extremely tired. I was. I took a nap. And when I woke up, I thought it was just a tad bit too late for me to share that episode. However, we did live to see another day. Praise God for that. Now, we will will cover chapters 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and hopefully 16 today. And tomorrow, we hopefully will cover 17, 18, 19, and 20. And then we can close this series out next Saturday. Praise God. Now, that is what my hope is. (laughs) I must say that. Now, I will be switching to the NIV to cover these next, hopefully, six chapters. The New International Version. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, if you want to catch up on this series, I suggest that you go through my podcast and um, listen to episode one and two, and then you can catch up. Okay. So with that said, let's get started. We are going to be talking about uh, the sins David committed before the Lord. And I told you guys before, David is not perfect. What set him apart from Saul and other kings is that he was remorseful and he repented as soon as he heard he did wrong in the sight of the Lord. But there are some things that David is going to do that is going to be quite challenging uh, for some of you to hear. Because all you know is David wrote Psalms and Psalms is beautiful and and those were his, his experiences with God and Yes, I read from Psalms every day on my ministry website or Facebook page. I share Psalms often. That's right, because those experiences that David had with God uh, were true. Okay, and they can help us today. So if anybody can tell us about the grace of God, it is definitely David. So 
without further ado, let's get started. I hope you are in Second uh, Samuel chapter 11, and I am reading verse 1. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab, which was a commander in his military, or he was a commander in his military, out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Verse 2. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. Verse 3. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah, my Lord, the Hittite. Now, let me explain to you who Bathsheba is. She's a black woman married to a black husband, uh, Uriah. He is the most famous Hittite in the Bible. And Uriah is a black man. Hittites are black people who come from the lineage of Ham. Ham is Noah's black son. So um, Bathsheba was a black woman. Make no mistake about that. And the reason why I call this, let me digress uh, for a few minutes here, maybe a few seconds. I call uh, my podcast Learning Bible Truth is because you need to know the truth. Because we have had white ministers who distorted these scriptures to try to make the white congregation think that Hittites were white. No, they're not. They come from Ham. Every time we come across a black person in the Bible, I'm going to share that with you because I know where we come from. I know where all the black people come from. They come from Ham and his sons. Ham had four sons. And I'm not going to make this episode about, about Ham, but you need to know the truth when we cross it. Um... Let's pick up at verse four. Now, this is going to get sad and we are going to talk about David's sins. OK, verse four. Then David sent messengers to get her. Now, this man whom he sent to spy out who this beautiful black woman was, told him that she was the wife of Uriah and it should have stopped there. But it didn't see. It goes to show you it doesn't matter who you are and what position you have. You are not immune from sinning. Okay. Verse four. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. I, I don't need to talk about um, what purification from your monthly uncleanness mean. You can read that in Leviticus. Um, then she went back home. Verse five. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. Verse six. So David sent this word to Joab. Send me Uriah. Now this is Bathsheba's husband, the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. Verse seven. When Uriah came to him, David asked him how Joab was, how the soldiers were and how the war was going. Verse eight. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and a gift from the king was sent after him. Verse nine. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all his master's servants 
and did not go down to his house. It's as if he knew that this king had slept with his wife. There's no documentation of it. So, I, 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 you know, we can only speculate, but we cannot confirm. Okay. Uh, verse 10, David was told Uriah did not go home. So he asked Uriah, haven't you just come from a military campaign? Why didn't you go home? Verse 11, Uriah said to David, the ark and the Israel and Judah are staying in tents. And my commander Joab and my Lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. Now that was his excuse for not going home. Okay. Verse 12. Then David said to him, stay here one more day and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. Verse 13. At David's invitation, he ate and drank with him and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. He refused to go home. There's a reason he wasn't going home. I think he knew the king slept with his wife. But Uriah had no ill feelings toward the king David. But David, this is where when you let your flesh lead you, what can happen? Uh, verse 14. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. Uriah carried the letter that was going to lead to his death. He had no idea. Verse 15, in it he wrote, in the letter he wrote, put Uriah out in front where the fighting is fiercest. Okay. Then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. Now this is King David. So setting up Uriah to be killed in war. He set this up. Verse 16. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at the place where he knew the strongest defenders were. 17, verse 17, when the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell at the expense of some of David's military or army had died so that he can kill Uriah. Okay. All because he wanted Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. Now that's the latter part of verse 17. Verse 18, Joab sent David a full account of the battle. Verse 19, he instructed the messenger, when you have finished giving the king this account of the battle, verse 20, the king's anger may flare up and he may ask you, why did you get so close to the city to, the city to fight? Didn't you know they would shoot arrows from the wall? Verse 21. Who killed Abimelech, son of Jerobaseth? Didn't a woman drop an upper millstone on him from the wall so that he died in the bez? Why did you get so close to the wall? If he asks you this now and, and Joab is just listening to his master, his boss, the king, King David. OK, he in on it, too. Because David couldn't carry it out, carry this horrific act out without consulting or having someone do it for him. Okay, the uh, latter part of 21. If he asks you this, then say to him, moreover, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. Verse 22. The messenger set out and when he arrived, he told David everything Joab had sent him 
to say. Now, David already knew what happened because he set it up. So this is where David is separated from God. If you notice, he didn't consult with God about Bathsheba. He didn't consult with God about uh, Bathsheba's husband. He did this on his own. God was not attached to this at all. And you're going to find out that God was not attached to this. Verse 23, the messenger said to David, the men overpowered us and came out against us in the open. But we drew, but we drove them back to the entrance of the city gate. Verse 24, then the archers shot arrows at your servants from the wall and some of the king's men died. Moreover, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. Verse 25, David told the messenger, say, say this to Joab, don't let this upset you. The sword devours one as well as another. So right here, what David is saying, when you go to war, you, some people are going to die during war. So let's continue. Press the attack against the city and destroy it. Say this to encourage Joab. Verse 26, when Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. Now, before we uh, move to 20, verse 27, let me say this. You can't blame Bathsheba. Bathsheba, you know, during that time, if the king sent for you and uh, asked you to sleep with him, you had to do it. That was during that time. It was not God's will, but the power and authority that kings had, the power and authority that presidents have today. Let me tell you something. There's a difference. I don't want to um, because I'm going to talk about presidents in, in uh, at the end of this episode. So I don't want to um, stray away too far or digress too far. But back then, if a king said, I want to sleep with you, you're going to sleep with the king. Now, she was married. David didn't have a right to do it. He didn't have a right to do it. That's what I need you to focus on. He did not have a right to sleep with Bathsheba. And he's getting ready to find out that God had a problem with him, with what he did. Verse 27, after the time of mourning was over, David had her brought, that her is Bathsheba, uh, had her brought to his house and she became his wife, one of his wives, and bore him a son. I want you to focus on that. She became his wife and bore him a son. He impregnated her while she was married to Uriah. I want you to understand why the punishment for David was, is going to be harsh. And David impregnated this, this married woman and had her husband killed so that she could become his wife. Listen, but the thing David had done displeased the Lord. That's what we need to focus on. We don't need to focus on what well, God didn't kill David. What? So you think you can do it too? No, you cannot. Our job is to follow the Lord's response and that we shouldn't do it. Okay, now we are entering chapter 12 because guess what? God's punishment for David is going to be harsh. Verse 1, uh, 2 Samuel, in case you are just joining in, verse 12. The Lord sent Nathan. You have to remember, Nathan was the prophet uh, for David from God. He was a prophet from God and he was David's spiritual advisor. Uh, the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men. In a certain town, one rich and the other poor. Nathan is giving David a parable that he can relate to before he dropped his bombshell on David. Verse two, the rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle. Verse three, 
But the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Verse 4. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. Verse 5. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. Verse six, he must pay for that lamb four times over because he had such a thing and had no pity. Verse seven, listen to Nathan's response. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. God sent Nathan up in David's face to accuse him and say, you are the man God is talking about. You took the wife of this poor man. All he had was his wife. He loved his wife. And you took this man's wife. And not only that, you had him killed so that you can marry his wife. And God was displeased. But when, when Nathan came to, to, to uh, David with that parable, David was angered inside. The man who did this should die. Nathan said, you are the man. You are the man. Now what? Should you still die? That's what my question is. Okay, since now we found out you the man, what should happen to you? Verse 7. Let me read this again. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. Verse 8. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, meaning if this wasn't enough, I would have given you even more. Verse nine. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his sight? You struck down Uriah the Hittite, an innocent man. You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, if you notice, God is not praising David. D David had Uriah set up to be killed by a whole nother tribe, the Ammonites. But David, let me tell you something. Uriah's blood is on David's hands. That's what God is telling him. I gave you all of this. And you took this man's only wife when you had wives and concubines, all the money in Israel. And you still took this man's wife. What I gave you wasn't enough for you. Verse 10. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house. The Ammonite sword. Because you despised me and took the wife of, the, of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. God had a problem with that. So don't you side with uh, any leader. Now, David, let me make this clear. David was not a priest. He was not a prophet. He was not a minister. And you can't say minister of the gospel because the gospel didn't exist back then. David was king 
And God chose him to be king because he was fair to people, but he was by far not perfect. But I want you to focus on that. He displeased God and God is going to punish David for that. David didn't get away with this. You can't say David got away with this. And I'm going to digress for a, a second here because I often share things that I've heard. I don't know if you guys on um, Netflix uh, saw this documentary about who killed Malcolm X. Well, uh, in that series, a Muslim who was being interviewed about Elijah Muhammad fathering several children with eight different young girls, uh, he said this. He said, well, do Christians have a problem with David sleeping with uh, Bathsheba? Saying that, oh yeah, I want that booty. And, and he killed her husband to, to have her. Well, here's the thing. He couldn't have read this. Because Muslims don't read the Bible. They read the Quran. But the Quran has scriptures in it from the Bible that Muhammad put in there. The Bible was written, for those of you who don't know, 600 years before the Quran. So uh, whose report are you going to believe? You, why would you take scriptures out of the Bible from... Um, Second Samuel, which is, is, is quoted in the Quran and then say, not quote the punishment that David received from God for his actions. Why would you do that? Because let me tell y'all something. The Bible is written for Christians. Not one Muslim can tell me about the Bible because they don't understand it. The Bible is coded. It's for Christians to read. Because the Bible is about Jesus Christ from the beginning of the Bible all the way to Revelations. Genesis is the beginning and Revelations is the end. So I don't want to make it about uh, Muslims, but let me tell you something. As a minister of the gospel, I am also a certified Christian apologetic. And that means I can defend the gospel. I, God chose me as one of his ministers to defend the gospel. And there is no person on this planet, I don't care what religion you are attached to, can get to God without going through Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I can prove whatever I tell you in scripture from the Old Testament all the way to Revelation. So now let's proceed. Um, verse 10. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. I know I read that before, but I wanted to read it again. Uh, verse 11. That is what the Lord says out of your own household. I am going to bring calamity on you. See, David didn't get away with what he did. His, he's being told what his punishment is going to be. And David didn't fight it. See, that's what repentance is all about. Not fighting your wrongdoing and not trying to justify it. He never tried to justify it. He accepted his wrongdoing and he accepted the punishment. Listen again. Uh, verse 11. This is what the Lord says out of your own household. I am going to bring calamity on you out of his own house. And when we get to that calamity it's coming up, I'm going to tell you it happened because the Lord allowed it all because of David's sin. OK, before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. And he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. Verse 12, you did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all of Israel. Verse 13, then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin, meaning God has forgiven your sin. 
Know why? Because David repented. You notice that Nathan said, the Lord has taken away your sin after David said, I have sinned against the Lord. And uh, Nathan, let's continue um, the latter part of um, verse 13. The Lord has taken away your sin, meaning forgiven your sin. You are not going to die. Okay, because what David did, you know, was punishable by death. Um, verse 14. But because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord. The son born to you will die. God did not allow that baby that Bathsheba was was carrying that was for David to live. So you wonder why some children die here. Now, that's that might just be a little bit too deep for some of y'all right there. But. Let me um, continue reading. God did not allow this child to live because of the way it was conceived. Okay. Uh, let me read 14 again. But because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. Verse 15. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David and he became ill. Now, this is where uh, teaching comes in. When we talk about Hebrew, the original scriptures, the Lord didn't struck down the child. Okay. Because that's not God's MO. God allowed the child to be struck with an illness. Okay. It is the devil who puts sickness on people. Don't you ever think God uh, put sickness on you? Cause he doesn't. The devil did. God allowed him to. It's the translators, how they translated from Hebrew to English. Why the translators couldn't just say that God allowed the child to be struck with an illness is beyond me. It is no different from the story of Job. Job thought that God was doing all of these horrible things to him. But if you read the entire story of Job and you can go through my podcast because I did a story about Job, you will find that the devil had told, told God they were having a conversation that the reason Job was uh, worshiping him and loving him is because of all the things that Job had, because Job was very rich. And God said, that's not true. Now, I don't know um, why uh, God allowed all of this uh, to be instigated by the devil. But however, Job came out richer than ever. He had more children, all his children that died. And all the things he lost, God replaced that seven times over. But Job assumed that God was doing all, all these things to him. Just like today, people think God is doing things to them because they are ignorant of this Bible. They are ignorant. You keep forgetting that the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's in scripture too. So whenever bad things happen to you, it's because God allow it. And when God allows something is because you give the devil a foothold and you give God a, a, a reason not to protect you. He's not going to protect your sin. That's not how he works because we deal with a holy God and it is sin that separates us from God. And that's what we need to understand. Now let's get back. Verse 16, David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth, meaning he was in mourning on the ground. Verse 17, the elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused and he would not eat any food with them. And I want you to notice while David was in mourning, he never cursed God. He never tried to justify his sin. He said, I have sinned before the Lord. 
verse 18, on the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead for they thought while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him the child is dead? He, he may do something desperate. That's what they was thinking in their minds. Now this ain't God talking here. God doesn't speak through the common people in the Bible. He only spoke through, especially uh, in those days through his prophets and through maybe some priest, especially when Samuel was living and Eli, Eli was the high priest. But in terms of God talking in his Bible, you have to know when he's talking and when he's not, he never spoke through David. He talked to David, just like he talked to us today. He speak through his ministers today, the ones who are rightly dividing these scriptures. We don't have prophets today like like back in the biblical days like Nathan, that God would speak directly to that prophet. And then um, the prophet would go and tell the leaders what God said or the people what God said. The prophets were judges. Now, Samuel was the last judge of Israel. They no longer have any judges where God judged Israel through prophets. Samuel was the very last judge of Israel. Now I'm going to try to tie this uh, today because I know some of you say when well, the new Testament, the apostle Paul lists the gifts in the church. He said prophet. Yeah. You have to prophesy these scriptures. We're not because God ain't telling nobody nothing new today. You know, we have more scriptures today than the children of Israel had back then. See, they had these writings from uh, Genesis was written by Moses. Moses wrote Genesis. He wrote the laws, you know, Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Um, and I don't want to go off too far on that because, I, look, I can go all night. I can go all night. But you need to know when God is talking and when he's not, which is why I make it a point of sharing with you when I'm reading when God is talking and when he's not. OK, you just have to follow closely and listen to the truth and stop listening to the false teachers. OK, um, let's read 17 again. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused and he would not eat any food with them. Verse 18, on the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead for they thought while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him because he was in mourning. He actually was fasting and praying. His prayers didn't work that time. How can we now tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. That's them talking amongst themselves. This is not God talking. Verse 19, David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. Verse 20, then David got up from the ground after he, after he had washed put on lotions and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. He didn't curse God. He went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. This is why we follow Psalms. This is why we follow the experiences David had with God. God is a merciful God, but we should never turn our backs on God. When something strange happened, take your lick, repent of it, and then worship God. That is what we do. Okay. Verse 20. Again, it bears reading a second time. Then David got up from the ground after he had washed, put on lotions and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. 
Then he went to his own house and at his request, they served him food and he ate. Verse 21, his attendants asked him, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. You have to remember also the attendants were not told the word of the Lord from the prophet Nathan. David was. Okay. Nathan spoke to David about his sin. They're not aware of what all the things that took place. They don't know about the uh, punishment God said that he, uh, David was going to experience. He said the child was not going to live. Verse 22. He answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. Verse 23. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Because what he was fasting and praying for didn't come to pass. So now he has to move on. He repented and move on with his life. Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Verse 24. Then David comforted his wife, Bathsheba. Yes, he did. So we know time had to pass because Bathsheba had just had this child. The child was seven days old when he died. But I want you to listen. Then David comforted his wife, Bathsheba, and he went to her and made love to her. And this was right after she had a baby, unless some time passed. That's not documented here because, <laughs> because medically it will be kind of tough. Okay. Um, uh, comforted his wife, Bathsheba, and he went to her and made love to her. She gave birth to a son and they named him Solomon. Here goes Solomon, David's black son. Okay. King Solomon, black King Solomon, colored King Solomon. Okay. The Lord loved him. The Lord loved Solomon. You might as well say the Lord loved that black boy. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Verse 25. And because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan. Remember, I told you God speaks through through his prophets back then. He sent word through Nathan, the prophet, to name him Jedidiah. Now, he his name was Solomon, but God sent word to name him Jedidiah. Now, Jedidiah. Let me explain to you, even though the child's name is Solomon, but let me tell you what Jedediah is. Jedediah is a Hebrew male given name, which is derived from the name Yedediah, meaning friend of God. Okay. That's who Solomon is. He was born friend of God. Um, let's pick up at verse uh, 25 again. And because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan, the prophet, to name him Jedediah. Verse 26. Meanwhile, Joab fought against Reba of the Ammonites and captured the royal citadel. Now, citadel is the core fortified area of a town or a city. Okay, verse 27. Joab then sent messengers to David saying, I have fought against Reba and taken its water supply. Verse 28. Now muster the rest of the troops and besiege the city and capture it. Otherwise, I will take the city and it will be named after me. Verse 29. So David mustered the entire army and went to Rabbah. 
and attacked and captured it. And I already told you guys in other episodes, David never lost the battle in war because God promised that that would happen and he wouldn't go back on his promise, which is why he didn't allow the child to live because he had already set forth the punishment for David. He said the child would not live and he didn't allow the child to live. But when David and Bathsheba had their second child, Solomon, God, the Bible says God loved that child. Yes, he did. Uh, verse 30, David took the crown from their king's head and it was placed on his own head. It weighed a talent of gold and it was set with precious stones. David took a great quantity of plunder, meaning all their goods from the city, verse 31, and brought out the people who were there, consigning them to labor with saws and with the iron pricks and axes. And he made them work at brick making. David did this to all the Ammonite towns. Then he and his entire army returned to Jerusalem. Chapter 13. Now, before we begin chapter 13, you think what David did to Uriah was evil? Um, watch what happens in 13. Now, th this is not directly involving David, but how David handled this crime uh, concerns me. But I get it. I will explain as we go. Verse one, chapter 13. In the course of time, Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. So um, these were both David's sons and Tamar is their sister, Absalom and Amnon. Now, we are getting ready to read about some horrible events that's going to take place. They don't directly involve David, but the way David responded to it concerns me. Okay. Um, let me read again from verse one before we move forward. Just listen. I want y'all to listen carefully. I want to slow down so you can understand what took place in the course of time. Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, his sister. The beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. This is, these are David's sons and his daughter. Um, Tamar was 15 years old. Okay. 15 years old. And David was 53 years old at the time. Amnon was 22 and Absalom was at the age of 20. Okay. Verse two. Amnon became so obsessed with his sister Tamar that he made himself ill. He was obsessing physically with his, about his sister Tamar. She was a virgin and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. Number one, we had the laws of Moses where you should not date a family member. That's what incest come in at. You should not date a family member. You shouldn't be lusting after a family member. And um, there's some horrific things that's getting ready to happen. It, it tore my heart apart. So let, let's continue. I, I don't want to slow down too much because we got to get through, uh, at least try to complete um, these chapters that I want to complete within an hour. Verse three. Now, Amnon had an advisor. Lord, watch who you receive information from. Name Jonadab son of Shemia, David's brother. Okay. That was his cousin. Jonadab was a very shrewd man. He, verse four, he asked Amnon, why do you, the king's son, look so haggard morning after morning? 
won't you won't you tell me? Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. But Tamar was his sister too. Verse five, go to bed and pretend. Now this is the advice he's getting. Go to bed and pretend to be ill. Jonadab said, when your father comes to see you, say to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare the food in my sight so I may watch her and then eat it from her hand. Now, right there should have been a sign to David. Uh, verse six. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and make some special bread in my sight so I may eat from her hand. Verse seven. So David sent word to Tamar at the palace. Go to the house of your brother Amnon and prepare some food for him. You heard to your brother Amnon. That was Amnon's sister. Remember, she was 15 years old. Amnon and prepare some food for him. Verse eight. So Tamar went to the house of her brother Amnon, who was lying down. She took some dough, kneaded it, made the bread in his sight and baked it. Verse nine. Then she took the pan and served him the bread, but he refused to eat. Send everyone out of here, Amnon said. So everyone left him. And she just 15. She don't know no better because I would have left with everybody. I would have. Verse 10. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food here into my bedroom so I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. Verse 11. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, come to bed with me, my sister. Verse 12, now she was 15, but she knew better. She said, no, my brother. She said to him, don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. She knew that this was wrong. Don't do this wicked thing. Verse 13, what about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? Where could she go after this thing happened to her is what she's saying. And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep now. Not now here. Um, I want you to understand when she says this because she's just 15 years old. You have to consider the age. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. Now, the laws that um, Moses gave the children of Israel, you can't marry a, a, nobody in your family. So she said this out of ignorance. OK, maybe if you go to our father, King David, you know, he'll let us marry and, and then it won't be a problem. But she knew what he was trying to do was wrong. Verse 14. But he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than she, he raped her. Now, in your version, it may say violated her. It's the same. It's rape. And to me, rape is worse than murder. Worse than murder. Verse 15. Then Amnon hated her. With intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. Amnon said to her, get up and get out. Now, this is how evil David's son Amnon was. Evil from inside out. David was not evil from inside out. David just happened, you know, to do some things. But he repented when he found out what he did was wrong. Now, his advisor should have told him, no, man, you, you shouldn't be lusting for your sister. But that's not what he told him. That's why the Bible says don't sit under the counsel of the ungodly. You do, and that includes leaders, presidents, kings. If they are ungodly, we don't listen to them. Okay. If you're going to ride, you ride for, for good, not evil. Verse 16. 
No, she said to him, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you have already done to me. Now, this was after he raped his sister. He threw her out in the streets like she was trash. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Verse 16 again. No, she said to him, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you have already done to me. But he refused to listen to her. Verse 17, he called his personal servant and said, get this woman. Now this is his, this woman, not his sister. Get this woman out of my sight and bolt the door after her. Verse 18, so his servant put her out and bolted the door after her. She was wearing an, an ornate robe. For It was a white robe. This was the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. Verse 19, Tamar put ashes on her head. And tore the ornate robe she was wearing. She put her hands on her head and went away weeping aloud as she went. I mean, this young lady was was never the same. Just torn to pieces inside and outside. Verse 20. But listen, Absalom, her, her brother, Abnon's other brother. Verse 20. Her brother Absalom said to her, has has that Amnon, your brother, been with you? Be quiet for now, my sister. He is your brother. Now, don't misunderstand what Absalom is saying here because he's going to avenge her rape. You better believe it. He knew it was wrong. Don't take this thing to heart. And Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate woman. Her life was ruined. And I tear up thinking about this. So let's, let's keep moving. What happened to that young girl by her own brother? But thank God for Absalom. Okay, now let's continue reading. I want you to listen to how David responded to this when he when he heard about it. Verse 21. When King David heard all this, he was furious. He was furious. Oh, yeah, he was furious. All right. Verse 22. And Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. And I'm on Absalom's side. But what is conspicuously absent is God never spoke. Nathan never came to, to uh, Abnon, never spoke to Absalom, never even spoke to King David about this. I don't know why it's not documented. If he did, uh, the writer didn't put it in here. But I know, and you all know, uh, in the laws of Moses, that a man who rapes a woman should be put to death. But, but okay, see, some of y'all don't know this. We're going to get to them laws before this year is out. It's called learning Bible truth. Okay. Just like it's against the law today to rape. And if you rape a child, according to our laws of the land, under the age of 13, you can be put to death. So let me tell you, ain't nothing nice about rape. Nothing nice about rape. So let's move on uh, to the next scripture. Verse 21, when King David, we read this already, but I want to read it again. When King David heard all this, he was furious. Verse 22, and Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. He had raped their sister. So you, wh why, why are you supposed to love that? No, you're not supposed to love that. You're not supposed to support it. And if your child, your son rape your daughter, what are you going to do? What, what, where's your heart? No, let me tell you, my heart will turn against the evil child and be with my innocent daughter. That is where my heart would be. Uh, verse 23, two years later, 
when Absalom's sheep shearers were at Baal Hazar near the border of Ephraim, he invited all the king's sons to come there. Verse 24, Absalom went to the king and said, your servant has had shearers come. Will the king and his attendants please join me? Verse 25, no, my son, the king replied, all of us should not go. We would only be a burden to you. Although Absalom urged him, he still refused to go, but gave him his blessing. That him is David. David gave him his blessings. Verse 26, then Absalom said, if not, please let my brother Amnon come with us. The king asked him, why should he go with you? Verse 27, but Absalom urged him, so he sent with him Amnon and the rest of the king's sons. Verse 28, Absalom ordered his men, listen, when Amnon is in high spirits from drinking wine, meaning when he's drunk, and I say to you, strike Amnon down, then kill him, don't be afraid. Haven't I given you this order? Be strong and brave. Verse 29. So Absalom's men did to Amnon what Absalom had ordered. Now, Absalom was avenging his sister's Tamar's rape against his brother. And I'm not mad at him. I'm going to leave it at that. Then all the king's sons got up, mounted their mules, and fled. They ran. Verse 30. While they were on their way, the report came to David. Absalom has struck down all the king's sons. That's not true. He only had Amnon killed. All the king's sons, not one of them is left. So whoever brought that report to David told a lie. Uh, verse 31, the king stood up, tore his clothes and lay down on the ground. And all his attendants stood by with their clothes torn. Verse 32, but Jonadab, son of Shemiah, David's brother, said, my Lord, should not think that they killed all the princes. Only Amnon is dead. This has been Absalom's expression or either express intention ever since the day Amnon raped his sister Tamar. Now, right here, before we go to verse 33, you got to remember David heard about this and did nothing. Had David punished Amnon, Amnon wouldn't be dead today. Okay, verse 33, my Lord, the king should not be concerned about the report that all the king's sons are dead. Only Amnon is dead. Meanwhile, Absalom had fled in verse 34. Meanwhile, Absalom had fled. Now the man standing watch looked up and saw many people on the road west of him coming down the side of the hill. The watchman went and told the king, I see men in the direction of Heronium on the side of the hill. Verse 35, Jonadab said to the king, see, the king's sons have come. It has happened just as your servant said. Verse 36, as he finished speaking, the king's sons came in well and loudly. The king too and all his attendants wept very bitterly. Verse 37, Absalom fled and went to Talmai, son of Amilahud, the king of Geshur. But King David mourned many days for his son. That was his son. So I, what I said earlier, um, I understood why David felt the way he did. I just didn't understand why he didn't punish his son when the Bible clearly says he was furious. But he never did anything about it. And let me tell you, God ain't on his side. If you notice, God didn't intervene one way or the other. He let all this mess play out. That's what he did. But King David mourned many days for his son. Verse 38, after Absalom fled and went to Gish Gisher, he stayed there three years. 
Verse 39, And King David longed to go to Absalom, for he was consoled concerning Amnon's death. Now, he, he wanted to go to Absalom and just talk to him about killing his brother. And uh, he still loved his son Absalom. He did. He's going to show how much he loved his son, but I think he loved Amnon a little bit too much. Okay. Uh, we Ooh, chapter 14. We, we're trying to get there. Chapter 14. We will go a little bit over um, an hour. I think I'm going to do 14 and 15 and just leave 16 to tomorrow. We will cover 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20 tomorrow. Okay, verse 1 of chapter 14, Joab, son of Zeruah, knew that the king's heart longed for Absalom. Verse 2, so Joab sent someone to Tekeo and had a wise woman brought from there. He said to her, pretend you are in mourning, dress in mourning, mourning clothes, and don't use any cosmetic lotions. Act like a woman who has spent many days grieving for the dead. Verse three, then go to the king and speak these words to him. And Joab put the words in her mouth. Verse four, when the woman from Tekia went to the king, she fell with her face to the ground to pay him honor. And she said, help me, your majesty. Verse five, the king asked her, what is troubling you? She said, I am a widow. My husband is dead. Verse six, I, your servant, had two sons. They got into a fight with each other in the field, and no one was there to separate them. One struck the other and killed him. Verse 7, now the whole clan has risen up against your servant. They say, hand over the one who struck his brother down, so that we may put him to death for the life of his brother whom he killed. Then we will get rid of the heir as well. They would put out the only burning coal I have left, leaving my husband neither name nor descendant on the face of the earth. Verse 8, the king said to the woman, go home and I will issue an order in your behalf. But, verse 9, but the woman from Tekia said to him, let my lord the king pardon me and my family and let the king and his throne be without guilt. Verse 10, the king replied, if anyone says anything to you, bring them to me and they will not bother you again. Verse 11, she said, then let the king invoke the Lord, his God, to prevent the avenger of blood from adding to the destruction so that my son will not be destroyed. As surely as the Lord lives, he said, not one hair of your son's head will fall to the ground. Verse 12, then the woman said, let your servant speak a word to my Lord, the king. Speak, he replied. Verse 13, the woman said, why then have you despised a thing like this against the people of God? When the king says this, does he not convict himself for the king has not brought back his banished son? Verse 14, like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered. So we must die. But that is not what God desires. Rather, he devises ways so that a banished person does not remain banished from him. Remember the prodigal son? Verse 15, and now I have come to say this to my Lord, the king, because the people have made me afraid. Your servant thought I will speak to the king. Perhaps he will grant his servant's request. Verse 16, perhaps the king will agree to deliver his servant from the hand of the man who, who is trying to cut off both me and my son from God's inheritance. Verse 17, and now your servant says, may the word of my Lord, the king, secure my inheritance for my Lord, the king is like an angel of God 
in discerning good and evil. May the Lord your God be with you. Verse 18. Then the king said to the woman, don't keep from me the answer to what I am going to ask you. In other words, David said, what I'm going to ask you, don't lie to me. Tell me the truth. Let my Lord, the king speak. The woman said, verse 19, the king asked, isn't the hand of Joab with you in all this? So David knew Joab had had is the one who coerced this woman to, to go to the king and ask this favor. Okay, the woman answered, as surely as you live, and she told the truth, my lord the king, no no one can turn to the right or to the left from anything my lord the king says. Yes, it was your servant Joab who instructed me to do this and who put all these words into my mouth of your servant. Into uh, the mouth of your servant, excuse me. I'm getting tongue-tied, uh, you guys. That's why we ain't going to make it to 16. Verse 20. Your servant Joab did this to change the present situation. My Lord has wisdom like that of an angel of, of God. He knows everything that happens in the land. Now, here's the thing. Well, I tell you when God ain't speaking, God ain't speaking through this woman. Okay. She made a comment and people will post this scripture thinking God talking. God ain't talking. What she said is not bad, but God is still not speaking through her. You have to remember what happened. Absalom killed Abnon because he raped their sister. Verse 20. I'm going to read it to you again. This is not God talking, but this is not bad. You just need to know when God is talking and when he's not. Your servant Joab did this to change the present situation. My Lord has wisdom like that of an angel of God. He knows everything that happens in the land. No, David don't. Because he had to find out about his daughter being raped by his son. Okay. Verse 21. The king said to Joab, very well, I will do it. Go bring back the young man, Absalom. Now Absalom is David's son. And he said, go bring back the young man, Absalom. But that lady was speaking on behalf of Joab who wanted Absalom brought back, but they wanted to kill Absalom. Okay. So there's nothing good about this. So David don't know that David doesn't want his son killed. Because uh, we're going to read about that. He doesn't want his son to die. That's his child. That's his son. Um, verse 21 again. Uh, the king said to Joab, very well, I will do it. Go bring back the young man, Absalom. Verse 22. Joab fell with his face to the ground to pay him honor. And he blessed the king. Joab said, today your servant knows that he has found favor in your eyes. My lord, the king, because the king has granted his servant's request. Verse 23. Then Joab went to Gersher and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. Verse 24. But the king said he must go to his own house. He must not see my face. So Absalom went to his own house and did not see the face of the king. Now this has nothing to do with laws and doesn't have nothing to do with anything. It's just that David didn't want to see his son at the time. Okay. He just didn't want to see him. Verse 25 in all Israel, there was not a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance. Talking about Absalom as Absalom from the top of his head to the sole of his foot. There was no blemish in him. Absalom was a perfect looking man. He was super handsome, super handsome, but you have to remember. So was David. So, you know, his sons had to be handsome. Verse 26, whenever he cut the hair, of his head, he used to cut his hair. Wait, he used to cut his hair once a year because it became too heavy for him. His hair was growing like wildflower. He would weigh it, and its weight was 200 shekels by the royal standard. Verse 27 
Three sun. I don't need to explain what 200 shekels uh, mean, do I? No, not today. By the royal standard. Verse 27. Three sons and a daughter were born to Absalom. His daughter's name was Tamar. He named his daughter after his sister Tamar. And she became a beautiful woman. Verse 28. Absalom lived two years in Jerusalem without seeing the king's face, meaning without seeing his father David. Verse 29, then Absalom sent for Joab in order to send him to the king, but Joab refused to come to him. So he sent a second time, but he refused to come. Verse 30, then he said to his servants, look, Joab's field is next to, to mine and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servants set the field on fire. That's how <laughs> Absalom was going to get Joab's attention and boy, he got it. He set his field on fire. Verse 31, then Joab did go to Absalom's house and he said to him, why have your servants set my field on fire? Verse 32, Absalom said to Joab, look, I sent word to you and said, come here so I can send you to the king to ask, why have I come from Gersher? It would be better for me if I were still there. In other words, Absalom is saying, you allowed me to come back. Why am I here uh, if I can't see you, my father? Why am I here? Okay, so let's continue. Now then, I want to see the king's face. He's asking to see his father. And if I am guilty of anything, let him put me to death. Now this, this boy is turning himself over right now. He in his 20s. He's still in his 20s, maybe 26 or maybe 24, between 23 and 26. Now he's saying, look, if I, if I am guilty of anything, let him put me to death. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's what I want to happen. That's why I'm on Absalom's side. Verse 33, so Joab went to the king and told him this. Then the king summoned Absalom and he came in and bowed down with his face to the ground before the king. And the king kissed Absalom, his son. My God, you know, David was still in mourning. One of his sons killed his other son. He loved both of them. He didn't want no harm to come to either one of them. But why didn't David think about his daughter Tamar? See, David ain't as good, good and nice as we thought. Why? He, we don't even hear about Tamar anymore. Absalom loved his sister so much, he named his daughter Tamar. And you got to remember, Tamar, his sister, is living in his house, living with her brother Absalom, who avenged her death. Now, chapter 15. Ooh, thank God. Verse 1. In the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot and horses and with 50 men to run ahead of him. Verse two, he would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate. Whenever anyone came with a complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out to him. What town are you from? He would answer, your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Verse three, then Absalom would say to him, look, your claims are valid and proper, but there is no representative of the king to hear you. David didn't have any judges set up. So Absalom made himself judge to help the people. Okay. You got to David was suffering uh, from depression. All the things happened to him. Remember Bathsheba, his wife, their first child uh, born son died. God allowed him to die. Um, his son raped his daughter. His other son killed his, his son because he raped their sister. I mean, so David had a lot of things weighing on his mind and his heart. So he really wasn't tending to the people or the needs of the people. Um, let's pick up at verse four. 
Um, and Absalom would add, if only I were appointed judge in the land. See, see, Absalom was saying he would do it because he would be fair with the people. Yeah. Then everyone who has a complaint or case could come to me and I would see that they receive justice. Okay, verse five. Also, whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand, take hold of him and kiss him. Absalom had a good heart now. Verse six, Absalom behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice. And so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absalom stole the hearts of the people of Israel because he tended to their needs and he got justice on their behalf. Okay, which is what a leader is supposed to do. Verse seven, at the end of four years, Absalom said to the king, let me go to Hebron and fulfill a vow I made to the Lord. Verse eight, while your servant was living at Gersher in Aram, I made this vow. If the Lord takes me back to Jerusalem, I will worship the Lord in Hebron. Verse nine, the king said to him, go in peace. So he went to Hebron. Verse 10, then Absalom sent secret messengers throughout the tribes of Israel to say, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpets, then say, Absalom is king in Hebron. Verse 11, 200 men from Jerusalem had accompanied Absalom. They had been invited as guests and went quite in, in innocently, knowing nothing about the matter. They didn't know. They didn't know what was going on, that Absalom was declaring himself king of Hebron. And they just went innocently because they were invited. Verse 12, while Absalom was offering sacrifices, he also sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor, to come from Gilo, his hometown. And so the conspiracy gained strength and Absalom's following kept on increasing. Now you notice it said the conspiracy gained strength. So Absalom was setting himself up. Okay. Now let me tell you who, um, he was setting himself up to be king of Hebron, but let me tell you who Ahithophel is. Uh, he may have been the grandfather of Bathsheba. Okay. Now these are David's mighty men, the warriors of the king's bodyguards who went over and started hanging out with David's son, Absalom. Okay. Now verse 13, a messenger came and told David, the hearts of the people of Israel are with Absalom. Verse 14, then David said to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, come, we must flee or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately or he will move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin on us and put the city to sword. So David in his heart um, knew that his son was trying to become king of Israel. Okay, king of Israel and Jerusalem and Judah. So he decided to run from his son. Now, you know, David never lost a war, but he was not going to go to war with his son against his son. He wasn't going to do it. Verse 15, the king's officials answered him. Your servants are ready to do whatever our Lord, the king chooses. Verse 16, the king set out with his entire household following him, but he left 10 concubines to take care of the palace. Now, I want you to remember part of the punishment God uh, said that was going to um, happen to David. One was someone from his own household. 
was going to sleep with his concubines and wives. And that was going to rise up against him. We're talking about his son, Absalom. Now, God prophesied this through Nathan, through the prophet Nathan. Okay, verse 17. So the king set out with all the people following him and they halted at the edge of the city. Verse 18, all his men marched past him along with all the Carathites and the Pelathites and all the 600 Gittites and they black men who had accompanied him from Gath march before the king. Verse 19, the king said to Ataiah, the Gittite, why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. He's calling his son a king. He made himself king over um, Hebron. Go back and stay with King Absalom. You are a foreigner, an exile from your homeland. Verse 20, you came only yesterday and today shall I make you wander about with us? When I do not know where I am going, go back and take your people with you. May the Lord show you kindness and faithfulness. Verse 21. Now, but Atiyah replied to the king, as surely as the Lord lives and as my Lord, the king lives, wherever my Lord, the king may be, whether it means life or death, there will your servant be. Well, he's telling David, I'm willing to die with you. That's what he's telling David. Verse 22. David said to Atiyah. Go ahead, march on. So Atiyah the Gittite marched on with all his men and the families that were with him. Verse 23, the whole countryside wept aloud as all the people passed by. The king also crossed the Gidron Valley and all the people moved on toward the wilderness. Verse 24, Zadok was there too. And all the Levites who were with him were carrying the ark of the covenant of God. They set down the ark of God. And Abiathar, who is a priest, offered sacrifices until all the people had finished leaving the city. Verse 25, then the king said to Zadok, take the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see it and his dwelling place again. Verse 26, but if he says I am not pleased with you, then I am ready. Let him do to me whatever seems good to him. Verse 27. See, that's why David is so awesome. He he had a heart for God. He repented when he did evil in the sight of God. He didn't justify his evil doings. He repented of them. So you can't help but love David. But that's why God had him over um, over um, Israel, Jerusalem and Judah. But here's the thing. Even though I'm, I'm rolling with Absalom, David's son Solomon is his successor, not Absalom. So we have to be careful, you know, although I'm rolling with Absalom, God never chose him to be king. No, he did not. Let me read verse 24 again. Zadok was there too, and all the Levites who were with him were carrying the ark of the covenant of God. They set down the ark of God and Abathar offered sacrifices until all the people had, had finished leaving the city. Verse 25, then the king said to Zadok, Take the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see it and his dwelling place again. See, David's still consulting with God, putting God first. And that's what leaders got to do. We got unholy leaders today. That's the issue. Verse 26. But if he says, I am not pleased with you, then I am ready. Let him do to me whatever seems good to him. Talking about God. Verse 27, the king also said to Zadok, the priest, do you understand? 
go back to the city with my blessing. Take your son Ahamaaz with you and also Abiathar's son, Jonathan. You and Abiathar return with your two sons. Verse 28, I will wait at the fords in the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. Verse 29, so Zadok and Abiathar took the ark of God back to Jerusalem and stayed there. Verse 30, but David continued up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered and he was barefoot. Why you think David was crying? Because he was going to war with his son. He didn't want to do that. All the people with him covered their heads too and were weeping as they went up. Verse 31, now David had been told Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. So David prayed, Lord. So now David consulting with the Lord again. David prayed, Lord, turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness, meaning what he's counseling his son, meaning don't let his son take the counsel from Ahithophel. Don't let his son follow that foolish advice. Verse 32, when David arrived at the summit where people used to worship God, Hushai, the archite, was there to meet him, his robe torn and dust on his head. Verse 33, David said to him, if you go with me, you will be a burden to me. Verse 34, but if you return to the city and say to Absalom, your majesty, I will be your servant. I was your father's servant in the past, but now I will be your servant. Then you can, can help me by frustrating Ahithophel's advice. See, that's the problem. He was giving bad advice to Absalom. Verse 35, won't the priest Zadok and Abiathar be there with you? Tell them anything you hear in the king's palace. Verse 36, there are two sons, Ahimaraz, son of Zadok, and Jonathan, son of Abiathar, are there with them. Send them to me with anything you hear. Verse 37, Hashai, David's confidant, arrived at Jerusalem as Absalom was entering the city. So we are going to stop right here, my saints, because I know me when I talk too much or either read too much, I start stumbling bad, except when I'm uh, doing a live teaching session in person. OK, so um, I don't have time to give some commentary on uh, some of the horrific things I'm hearing. But what I will say is that Christians should keep praying for peace, keep praying for deliverance from people who are filled with evil, even people you know, because um, as a man think it, so is he. So if you support evil, you are evil. And the Bible is clear. We don't listen to people. We listen to the word of God. A man who does not love his brother does not know God. If you don't have love in your heart for every ethnicity, you don't know God. And that's word. That's Bible. Don't listen to somebody trying to tell you someone who is displaying hate all over the place knows God. But here's the thing. There's some truth to that because Satan is a God too. The question is, what God are you talking about? See, Satan is a God with a little G. So people who are filled with hate, promoting hate, supporting hate, they worship Satan. That's who they worship. And what they are doing is camouflaging as sheep. That's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, that's what they are doing. But you can't fool people who are filled with love and know, know what love is. Because the Bible is clear 
on what love is. So let me read to you the definition of what love is according to God. And then you ask yourself, does Trump know God? Absolutely not. Let me read to you. I want you to go to first Corinthians chapter 13. Now, if you are a Christian, you are supposed to support this. You can't speak on behalf of someone else. Okay. God's ministers can, when they see evil, they supposed to speak out against evil. When we see hate, we are supposed to speak out against hate. If someone says that someone knows God, well, then you will see this in that individual every day. And that person will not only speak it, they will live it. First Corinthians chapter 13, beginning at verse four. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Verse five or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. Verse six. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Verse seven, love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstances. That is the definition of God's love. Okay, so if you know God, this is you. All of these characteristics are in you. You are not proud. You are not rude. You are not trying to force your own way. And that was the New Living Translation. So with that said, saints, we are still in the midst of this pandemic. Wear your mask when you are out in public. Keep at least six to eight feet away from individuals if you are out in a grocery store or in public. We need to protect others and they need to protect you. So. Until next time, saints, which is tomorrow, I want you to continue to pray for peace. Pray that your fellow sisters and brothers who exposed who they truly are to you and to the world, pray for their salvation and pray that they meet the true and living God. Okay, see you tomorrow. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts. Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to hit the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. That is the English Standard Version. God will give you a return on your gift of love. As long as you sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart. Now until next time, brothers and sisters, 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. Continue to walk with Jesus, my saints. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.